Welcome to GovCast. I am your host, Managing Editor Amy Kluber. Making acquisition innovative has been a challenge for many across the federal government. In fact, the federal leading acquisition official told us last year how our office is pushing workforce training and category management as key efforts to overall reform. At the Department of Homeland Security, leading the agency's procurement post as chief procurement officer is Soraya Correa, who started the agency's procurement innovation lab, among other things, and is bringing her prior experiences from DHS and beyond to support the agency in its national security mission. Okay, Soraya, thank you so much for joining us on GovCast today. Great to have you. Thank you, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here. So give us a little bit of an introduction to your role at DHS as Chief Procurement Officer. Sure. So Chief Procurement Officer at the Department of Homeland Security, sometimes it's called Senior Procurement Executive. And the role of the Senior Procurement Executive is to represent the agency on all procurement matters. So I'm responsible for acquisition policy, oversight, processes, procedures, and of course, working through some of the issues that are inherent to federal government procurement, whether it's small business contracting, subcontracting, working through competition issues, protests, et cetera. So that's basically the role of the senior procurement executive in any federal agency. And at DHS, that role is a fairly sizable role because we're a large agency. We have 10 heads of contracting activity that I delegate authority to, and we have a span of about 1,400 procurement professionals across the department, across the country that are serving the various missions that we support. You actually have a long history at DHS. You were there even before it was called Department of Homeland Security. What brought you to the agency at that time? My career has been in procurement and program management. I've moved from procurement to program management and back. And I was actually part of Immigration and Naturalization Service as a program manager when the department was stood up back in March of 2003. And so I opted to stay with the department because of my passion and commitment to the mission of this department. I am really passionate about what we do and how we do it. And so I had the opportunity to come back into the contracting profession as part of that transition to the Department of Homeland Security. And I was actually the first head of contracting at Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And then uh, subsequently, I came to headquarters to be the head of contracting at Office of Procurement Operations, a new office that was stood up to support some of the headquarters components at Homeland Security. And then I went back into program management, believe it or not, and worked for Citizenship and Immigration Services. And then there I was contemplating retirement when the phone rang and they asked me if I'd like to be the chief procurement officer. And I said, why not? Why not? (laughs) So so I have had a long history of the department, been here for quite a while. While, and I got to tell you, I've watched its evolution and growth, and it's just fascinating and just honored to be part of the team. You know, you were there since its inception. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you're a part of how the department has shaped procurement? I do. I feel that I've played a role, not only having been part of the contracting activities and being part of those teams that were putting together what our unique requirements are within those organizations, but even as being part of the chief procurement officer's office, because when I was with the components, Immigration and Customs Enforcement or Citizenship and Immigration Services, well, I was certainly part of those components. And so I understood the view of the component. But I also worked at headquarters as part of Office of Procurement Operations. And so kind of understood that top-down view of of a chief procurement officer. And one of the reasons I took this job is because of my passion and commitment for the work that the heads of contracting activity do and the day-to-day contract specialists have to do and the customers that they serve. And so I saw it as an opportunity for me to continue that growth and development and to maybe move us 
into that new level of understanding and of improving procurement that is necessary to keep us going forward. Because the mission of DHS does require us to be a little bit more nimble, to be a little bit more flexible, resilient, if you will, and to be more creative about how we use the acquisition regulations to accomplish your work. How do we balance compliance with mission need? Extremely important topic. And coming from an operational side, having been a program manager, having been a head of contracting, I'm certainly sympathetic to both sides and look for solutions that are mutually beneficial. So yeah, I think I've been a part of that evolution. Some people maybe weren't too grateful for me. Not just kidding. But I think I've, I've influenced quite a bit where we've been and where we're going and also trying to impact the federal wide space. Because I think as the senior procurement executive for such a large department, it's important for me to collaborate with other agencies and share you know, the experiences that I've had and learned from their experiences and bring us together as a community. So what were some of those major changes that you've seen over the years? So I think one of the biggest changes is really understanding that compliance, you know, complying with federal acquisition regulations is extremely important, but you do have to manage that compliance in conjunction with meeting the mission. We don't buy just to buy. We're really buying to serve the mission. What we do matters. We impact the lives of our frontline personnel. The tools, the products, the services that we buy are essential to them. And so I think it is extremely important to strike that balance, to understand what needs to be done. The other thing that I would say that has evolved is the understanding of the importance of planning those procurements, right? And we continue to work through that. Sometimes it's very hard to strategize procurements when you're working off of continuing resolutions. In other words, when you haven't got your full agency budget identified. And that's one thing that we've evolved in, that we've learned to adapt to working in a department that doesn't always get its budget at the beginning of the year. In fact, this year was like an anomaly that we actually got a budget at the beginning of the year because more often than not, we don't. But you have to learn to adapt in that environment and you have to create tools and resources and ways to communicate with one another to keep that ball moving forward without violating the regulations while you're working through getting those budgets. Because the reality is, I still got to buy what I've got to buy, and I still got to get it delivered on time to meet the mission need. Considering some of your other agency experiences, because you weren't just at DHS, you've been around the block, I should say. (laughs) What is unique about DHS in terms of how you're strategizing procurement? I don't know that we're unique about how we strategize procurement. I mean, I think all of us are evolving as we go, but I can talk about the fact that at DHS, we're kind of a blend of a lot of agencies because we have the security mission, we have intelligence, we have research and development. Oh, and by the way, we just buy regular products and services, right? And so we're a little bit of all of them. So I would say we're not unique. I would say that we have such a multitude of missions that we can learn from all those agencies. So all those experiences that I had, whether I was at NASA, General Services Administration, the Department of the Navy, have all come to bear, just like when we bring our community together, when we bring our procurement professionals, they come from all across government. Some developed in DHS, you know, we hired them through our intern programs, but some of them come from other federal agencies. And instead, that mixture of experience, diversity of experience and talent that really 
puts us in a position to respond to the mission of DHS, because frankly, our mission is a combination of all those missions, probably other than the military. And we even have that because we have the U.S. Coast Guard. (laughs) So in the procurement community, across government, there are other vehicles like CIO SP3 that DHS Mm -hmm. has a little bit of a part in somehow. Maybe you can explain more on that to help me understand it a little bit better. But how is DHS approaching such collaborations like that? Actually, when the department was stood up back in 2003, one of the things we did within the first years, we stood up what we call our strategic sourcing program. We've had a strategic sourcing program office since back in 2004, and I was part of that. I was part of the team that helped develop that strategic sourcing program office, awarding contracts that were either agency-wide, in other words, for use for all agencies within the Department of Homeland Security, or creating vehicles that were government-wide vehicles, meaning other federal agencies could order off of our contracts. Over time, those strategic sourcing programs have evolved at the department. We have over 80 contract vehicles that we use today that we've awarded ourselves to fulfill mission needs. Some of them are, like I said, are government-wide. Some of them are DHS-wide. But the Office of Federal Procurement Policy, working in conjunction with other federal agencies, they've stood up what they call category management. And under the category management, we look at things called best-in-class contracts. And those best-in-class contracts are nothing but strategically sourced contracts that are typically for government-wide use. That's where CIOSP3 and vehicles like that come into play. We're a huge partner in that because we're a huge agency, and we spend quite a few dollars buying things like services, like IT, facilities and construction, et cetera. So we tap into those vehicles like other federal agencies to promote the efficiency of the buying practice because there's more efficiency, better pricing, if you will. And it frankly frees up our resources because they're not having to do a full-blown contract every time they want to go out and buy something. So we're a huge part of that. Very excited to be a part of it. Uh, In fact, we exceed our goals every single year. We set targeted goals for how we're going to use these vehicles. We exceed those goals every year. And one of the things we also try to do is make sure that not only are we promoting competition in using those vehicles, But we're also making sure that we're looking at small businesses because you don't want to leave small businesses out of the equation. They're an essential part of our economy. They're an essential part of our industrial base. And so we try to make sure that we address the needs of small businesses and that they're a part of those vehicles. So what we do is we assess the vehicles, identify those that really fulfill our mission needs based across our portfolio of work that we need to do. And then we identify those for our heads of contracting so they can use the vehicles. So I think it's one of the things that we've done really well in government and we continue to get better at. It's very similar to the way industry buys to take care of their needs in terms of their supply chains. So we increasingly hear about agile contracting in federal government. What is your approach to procurement and acquisition in terms of agile services? So I'm all about innovation. I grew up as a contract specialist contracting officer. I started my career very early on as a contract specialist involved into a contracting officer and then subsequently worked as a program manager and then came back to procurement. And one of the things that I feel made me successful was, number one, my customer service approach, that I always went out and talked to the mission and tried to understand what they were trying to do, what they were trying to achieve, and tried to work the strategy in partnership, you know, to find them the right solution for what they were trying to do. But the other thing that I was willing to do was to be innovative, to look at the regulations and interpret them, not lock myself into one way of doing things because that's the way it's always been done. And I think that's the most important thing. If I had to identify one thing that I think we're doing much better and that impacts our ability to be agile and to buy agile services is being innovative in our procurement approaches. So when I came over as the chief procurement officer in January of 2015, I stood up what's called the Procurement Innovation Lab or the PIL. 
I like catchy acronyms, by the way. So the pills in case procurement's given you a headache, you can take a pill. But the role of the Procurement Innovation Lab is really to be innovation coaches, to help people think through their procurement strategy and find ways to, number one, fulfill the customer need, buy in a smarter way, in a simpler way, and in a more effective way. And those things lead to improved competition, better outcomes and solutions, and speed up the procurement process. I do believe that when we come together as a team and we really strategize the procurement, we can come up with better outcomes. So what are some of the things that we're doing to speed up the process? Well, instead of asking for a lot of written proposals, you know, a lot of details and technical proposals that are in writing, what we're doing is using approaches like show me, don't tell me. Come in and demonstrate your process. This is the way we live today. Companies really like that. Companies like to come in and talk to you, show you their products, show you what they do, introduce you to their people. So we use a lot of oral proposals. We use a lot of video presentations and not expensive videos. I'm talking YouTube videos, right? And also demonstrations of the products. Come in and show me how that product works. Come and show me in my environment. Let me kick the tires. Let me have a conversation with you. So getting away from that traditional written proposal, you need it sometimes. You need a few pages of those to capture some of the details but let's have a conversation and let's evaluate in real time. Let's not grab a ream of paper, go off in a corner and read it, write a written evaluation, toss it over, you know, in an email. Let's have a conversation. So those are the things that we're trying to do in procurement. And we've been quite successful. We've actually have like about 10 proven techniques that we teach. And we're teaching other federal agencies those techniques. We collaborate with them. Industry really appreciates it because we're in and out of the process a lot faster. Things that used to take a year, year and a half to award, we're sometimes awarding them in three to four months, if that much, from cradle to grade. So that's, I think, the big significant push because that makes our procurements more agile, but it also allows us to buy technology, products, the services, the technologies that we need much faster. And frankly, what I always tell the staff is the bad guys aren't governed by a federal acquisition regulation. The, the folks that mean to do us harm, that try to attack our infrastructure, those people are not governed by rules. So we have to find a way to work within our rules, but do it much faster, much quickly, much more nimbly, and get those things awarded so that our folks can get to the job of protecting the homeland. And that's what it all comes down to, doesn't it? So Agile Methodologies, you just mentioned, it's also at the heart of the Procurement Innovation Lab, or the pill, maybe? The pill, yeah. You know, things like feedback loop and manage risks. What are some things you're looking to accomplish through that effort? So the way we describe the PIL, the Procurement Innovation Lab, really they're a team of coaches. We let the contracting officers and the program managers, they're still managing their procurement. What we're doing is guiding them and advising them. And the way we do that is a process that we call testing and sharing. Testing is where we devise the strategy and we work with them to implement that strategy and we monitor their progress. We actually have recurring meetings, quick 10-minute sessions to get feedback on how they're doing, answer any questions that they have and make sure they're progressing along, and most importantly, that they're still working collaboratively as a team. And then the sharing part is once we're done with that procurement, we ask that team to host a webinar. We lead the effort, but to host a webinar and share what they've learned, share what worked well, what didn't work well. And we actually post those webinars. And then on top of that, we actually teach what we call Procurement Innovation Lab Boot Camps, which is a one-day training for folks who want to come in and take it to really learn all the different techniques that we've been trying. And a lot of these techniques, by the way, not new. I didn't write any new regulations or anything. They're actually right there in the federal acquisition regulations. We just took them and said, let's be flexible with these techniques. Let's see what we can do. 
And some of them have actually been protested in courts and we've won. So, you know, we can simplify the process, but it's testing and sharing. Implement the technique, learn from it, and then let's go out and share that with everybody. When I say everybody, we're sharing not only across our community, we're sharing agencies as well. What has been the biggest challenge you face in your role? I think the biggest challenge is trying to drive this cultural change to being more innovative, more creative. It's hard to ask people to change and look at the world a little bit differently and approach their strategies a little bit different. It's been a challenge. I wouldn't say it's mission impossible. It's been working. People appreciate and value the work that we're doing in this area in terms of improving procurement, but it's certainly a huge challenge. I think the other challenge is Helping stakeholders, especially oversight organizations, understand, appreciate, and value what we're doing, right? It is a constant communications process to make sure the folks understand why we're doing what we're doing, how we're doing it, and their role in that process. But sometimes stakeholders may feel that they're not having enough opportunity to influence those processes. So it's about keeping open communications. It's about helping people understand why the change is appropriate and necessary. And it's also about celebrating the successes and being honest about when you're not unsuccessful, which is something that, you know, goes hand in hand with being innovative. When you're going to be innovative, sometimes you're going to break a few eggs, as an old boss of mine used to say. Sometimes things aren't going to go perfectly the right way. And so you have to be honest about that and learn from those unsuccessful efforts and be able to say, hey, we failed at this, but here's what we learned from that failure. And here's how we're going to apply in the future and hopefully be successful going forward. What I always tell folks is a little bit of risk-taking is required. Some risk-taking is required to achieve the mission objectives that we're trying to achieve. And so we got to be willing to take some risks. We have to understand what those risks are. And we have to prepare for when those things don't come out in our favor. But it's okay to not have everything come out in your favor. I'm sure many other agencies are on the same boat. I hear the same sentiment from them as well as far as being able to change the culture. So that's a common theme for sure. So maybe during this pandemic, it's affected a lot of things. It's why we're recording remote right now. Do you see technology impacting the way agencies view procurement moving forward, maybe post this pandemic? So I think it's all about how we adapt. One of the things that we've done, we were able to pivot very quickly. In March, when I sent everyone home, I said, hey, we're going 100% telework. We were ready. We had actually, not because of the pandemic, but because of other incidents, we had prepared to make sure that we'd had a 100% telework-ready staff. Because when you work in a department like ours, and if you work in the national capital region, the D.C. area, you're prepared for emergencies all the time, whether, you know, it's you know, pandemic, inclement weather, whatever, we need to be prepared to be telework ready. And so one of the things that I had done was an initiative to do that. So we actually were telework ready. And when I asked folks to go home and telework, they were prepared to do that for their own safety and protection, of course. But the other thing that we did was we immediately pivoted to being in telework mode to find ways to enhance our communications and to continue to do our job. We don't have to be in an office. We don't have to go to conference rooms to do what we do. We can use things like all these tools that are available, whether it's video conferencing, conference calls, YouTube, whatever it is. There are tools out there that we can use, and we just have to be clever and smart about it. 
So I actually put out a memo to the staff reminding them that we could do things like our industry days and our communications with industry using a lot of these tools like the Zoom, Adobe, et cetera. And the other thing that I did was put myself out there, right? I made sure that I'm using these tools to communicate with industry, to communicate with my staff and all of our customers. And so we've been really successful in the pivot. And what I think this pandemic has shown us is we don't have to sit in an office all the time to do our job. We can communicate. We can be effective at doing our job with a multitude of mechanisms. And I think going forward, you're going to see, hopefully, a reinforcement of that, that we'll continue to use these tools, that we'll continue to find ways to be a little bit more inclusive of our audiences because we're using these tools, and maybe to even expand the conversation, you know, make it a little easier to communicate with one another because we can do this and be more flexible with our work staff when they need to work from home. So that's what I think the pandemic is bringing us. You, know, you got to find that little silver lining out there, right? It is out there, even though it might be hard to see right now, but I'm hopeful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm with you. So what are you looking forward to regarding the federal procurement community in the near future? So what I hope is that we continue to strengthen our role and our partnership with the programs that we support, as well as the other lines of business that are in a supportive role. One of the things that I've done as chief procurement officer for this department is trying to make sure that I understand and collaborate with the other lines of business like the chief financial officer, the chief information officer, and others to make sure that we can deliver as a team solutions to the customers that we serve, that we retain that mission focus while making sure that we're complying with the regulations, and to make sure that we continue to be solutions providers. What I always tell my team We're here to provide solutions. We're not here just to write a perfect contract or to quote a regulation. We're really here to make sure that we find smart, effective solutions for the customers that we serve. Because at the end of the day, that's what matters. It's making sure that they can deliver on the mission and that we're part of enabling that mission. So that's what I hope for procurement going forward, that we continue to be seen as viable business partners, that we continue to work collaboratively in this space. And most importantly, that we continue to evolve in our creativity and in our innovation and in our approaches to delivering good, smart procurement solutions for the customers we serve in a very timely manner. Well, Soraya, this was awesome insight. I'm so glad we got to talk. Thank you so much for sharing some more information about your role at DHS and some things we can expect in the future coming out of the procurement side of things. So Amy, thank you so much for giving us the time. It's always a pleasure and happy to talk to you and happy to be doing what I'm doing. And I'm looking forward to the future. I mean, everything, we're going to get through this, right? It's going right. to be great. Exactly. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentcio.com slash podcasts. If you liked what you hear, let us know by leaving us a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. GovCast is produced by Amy Kluber. Theme music provided by Big Hoax. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com. 